It's a loading wheel. Alright. Okay. Yep. Loading wheels. Sorry. Thank you very much. Sis. There you go. Well, here we are, marching into fall. I took a, a look at the church calendar this week in the back of the church, and I noticed that we're now six months past this year's Easter celebration. From this week forward, we'll be getting closer to Easter next year. And of course, Christmas is not all that far off either, right? Time is marching on. It seems like a long time ago to me already that I finished seminary in May. This is the first fall in four years that I don't have to go to classes. That's kind of cool. But the funny part is that after all that schooling, I don't really feel like I learned all that much. You know, don't get me wrong. I, I, I appreciate my education, and I'm very grateful for it. But at the end of the day, I only scratched the surface of what there is to learn. And more importantly, school can't teach you faith, amen? We need to know about the Bible, know about church history, know about how to lead our churches. They're practical things that we need to get under our belt. But the limits of human knowledge are always with us. And those limits teach me one important thing. God knows a lot more than we do. And that's good, because we can all just stand, we could all stand to think a lot more like God. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, creator of all, redeemer of all, and transformer of all, we thank you for this day of worship in the midst of a beautiful late summer Sunday. We thank you for all the blessings that you give us. How these blessings come to us are sometimes beyond us. Guide us in faith into knowing how much we are known by you. And so may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, either through us or in spite of us. Speak to us, thy people, we pray. Amen. Before I went to school to become a pastor, I worked in what some people call the information industry. I helped companies to market and sell information products and services. I was there when the first internet started to take off and I saw it grow from a simple toy for students and computer fans into the greatest source of information that humanity has ever known. Thanks to the internet, in just the last two years, the total amount of information that humans have created in all of human history has doubled. Two years. Seems that we know a lot now, doesn't it? Except, of course, we really don't know all that much. Every time we point a new telescope up into the universe, we discover more and more things that we never knew about. Even though we can point to these things now, we really don't know them. We just get a better count of things that we don't really know about. And most of these objects in the universe are so far away that, that what we're seeing 
is how those things were thousands, millions, or billions of years ago. Because the light that lets us see them took so long to get to us. Do we know how they are now? Not really. What do we know? Not much. It's not that human knowledge doesn't matter. It's important to understand things as they are and as they've been. But knowing these things should make us humble, not proud. Knowing things should make us realize that what we know with our minds can never replace what we need to know with our hearts. God wants us to know about God's creation. That's why we have eyes, ears, mouths, noses, muscles, and skin. God wants us to experience creation, to touch it, to smell it, to hear it, and to add our sights, sounds, smells, and touches to the story of creation. But it's also why we have hearts. God also wants us to feel creation in the core of our being, and to sense how it all affects each beat of our heart, each breath of our soul, and how it connects us with the hearts of other living beings. This is the humility that is so important in Christian discipline. Humility is at the core of how we learn to know what God knows and to do things the way that God wants us to do things. Humility is recognizing that our limits were created by God and are loved by God. Yet God knows that what we do matters. Every little thing that we do really matters. Every action, every word, every comment is a vital action which can change lives and affect God's world. Today's reading from the letter of James reminds us that even our little old tongue can push out words that make great changes, like the small rudder on the back of the big boat, steering it one way or the other. That's an awesome responsibility, isn't it? What we do really matters. Please help us, God, because humbly, we must admit that our actions do have consequences. My family knows about consequences. Ancestors from both my father's family and my mother's family endured the winter of 1777 at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. One of many Continental Army soldiers and officers who suffered a brutal winter of tents, bare clothing, and scarce supplies. Many got sick, and many died. Today, at Valley Forge, you can see an enormous painting of George Washington, the leader of the Continental Army, crossing the Delaware River near Valley Forge to a surprise attack on enemy troops across the river in Trenton, New Jersey. It might be an inspiring, patriotic painting, but it's a complete fabrication. The real story of Washington and of most people at Valley Forge is a story of humility. They were at their limits, facing the consequences of defeat. 
God's knowledge, what's not theirs. So humbly, they pray for God's guidance in their minds and their hearts. 2,000 years ago, the middle of Mark's gospel tells us Jesus and his followers were at the limits of their travels from Galilee at a spot near the city of Caesarea Philippi. Like my ancestors at Valley Forge, the followers of Jesus were far, far away from home, perhaps the furthest that any of them had ever been from home before. And like many people at Valley Forge that winter, the followers of Jesus had begun to know that they were part of a story that had far bigger consequences than what they had been thinking. Jesus seemed to have both the mind and the heart of God. Jesus had God's wisdom. Jesus had God's power to transform creation into something better through healing and forgiveness. They'd seen so much of of God's power in Jesus. They'd learned so much of who God is from Jesus. And so in this faraway spot, Jesus asked them, What do you know? Who do you say that I am? Now, most of the disciples seemed to fumble with answering Jesus. They knew that they were part of something big, but they were afraid to blurt out something stupid. Well, leave it to Peter. The disciple always seemed to have something to say, right or wrong, to blurt it out and say, Jesus, you are the Christ, the anointed one of God. Peter saw Jesus as the new leader of Israel, come to save them from oppression and to be a godly king for God's world. You might say that Peter expected this to be the Washington crossing the Delaware moment for Jesus. When Jesus would kick butt for the sake of Israel, right? And help Israel to stand tall and proud again before God and before the nations of the world. But as soon as Peter said this, Jesus asked his followers not to share with the world that he was the Christ, the Messiah. And immediately, Jesus told them why. Jesus told his followers, if you think that this is about a moment of pride, think again. The real coming of the Christ means me, Jesus, enduring the humiliation and punishment of evil people. It means me, Jesus, suffering and dying on a cross. And it means me, Jesus, rising from the dead three days after my death. This was mind-blowing knowledge. This was God revealing to God's self to all of humankind as Jesus the Christ, and then telling the world, shh, wait, I'm not your kind of Savior. To really know the God who will save you, you must know how much God knows what it's like to be like anyone else who dares to be humble with the love of God in their heart. You want to know a God who is power and might the way that you know power and might. You want a God who will end the story the way that you want the story to end. 
But God's not done with God's story. The story is not about knowing the ending. The story is about being known by God. The beginning and ending of all stories. The story is about what we do in and with God's story. There is one important thing that we have learned by looking out at all the stars in the universe, and that's that the universe is still being born. There are places out there called nebulas, and in those nebulas, we can see that new stars are still being created in the universe. God is not done with creation. The story of creation is still beginning, even though it's more than 13 billion years old. Every star that is born, every child that is born, every day that is born reminds us that claiming to know how things are can make us forget that God knows whatever is except God's power and love is subject to change. Your story of faith born of God, is not done. Everything that you do matters. Everything that we do as God's church matters. It matters because of the one thing that we know from faith. We are all known by God. God knows our minds. God knows our hearts. And through faith in Jesus Christ, we can find in our humble walk with God everything that we need to know to live the story that becomes the new story of God's love on earth. What do you know? That God's not done with you yet. Trust in this knowledge and live in it now and always. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Before I get to the, the prayers of the people, I want to lift up a, a brief impromptu mission moment. Um, as you know, Emily Belanger has been working on putting together our health kits for United Methodist Mission. We were targeting about 10 kits for starters. Today we're targeting 25 kits. We think this is doable. And I think as a church, if we can do that, that will definitely glorify God's work on earth here. So I encourage you to be in touch with Emily. Uh, These kits can make a difference between life and death, between hopelessness and hope. Let's be a part of that if we can. We lift up in prayer... Cindy Hopper, who has been having problems with the wrist for a long time and now has been diagnosed with a broken bone in her hand. So it's painful, and please hold her in prayers and lift her up any way you can. We lift up Arlene and Gary to heal their hearts and their marriage. Please hold their broken hearts in prayer. There's another part of God's story for them. We're lifting up Kathy and Mike Velsor for the loss of their son-in-law, Wayne. Hold them in your hearts, please. 
pray for Bob Pollock, who had a mini stroke. Let's pray for his healing and recovery. And as is our tradition, every week we pray prayers that have come from our community. Never few this week. And I have glasses, so I can almost read them. Pray for my mom battling Alzheimer's disease. Hear the prayers of the people. Please make sure that all that all kids have found and get the same things that they need for all kids. We pray get get answered and adults. And a hard time making that out, but I think what they're saying is that all kids need what all kids need. And let's pray that all adults help them to find those things. And we pray for the Koch family and relatives. We've heard the prayers of the people. And we pray together. Gracious Lord, hear our prayers, hear our grief, feel our pain, lift us up when we need your strength. Humbly, O Lord, we know how much we are known by you, and how much you want to lift us up and heal us and bring us forward as individuals, as a community, and as a world, and as your creation. We are all together loved by you. We are all called upon you to see the joy that you want to bring into the world. We are all being touched by your Holy Spirit. Help us to, to feel that touch, to think the thoughts that you provided for us, to feel the feelings that you invite us into, and to turn our muscles into instruments of grace and peace, doing for this world what you have done for us in Christ. Help us to be your church doing this, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What a joy it is to be here, humbly in the presence of the Lord, who offers us gifts of grace and love, and to reflect how God would like us to be in Christ. We offer now our tithes and offerings to the honor and glory of God's work in this creation.
joy-filled worship and a wonderful day to go out there and to do our charge to keep. Let's say this together. When we learn how to have hearts at peace in the image of Jesus Christ, God's humble way can be this way to strength, honor, and everlasting peace. Small mercies can add up to big changes. Start adding them up today. And now, may the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord shine God's face upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord of all lift up God's countenance on us, even little old ones, and grant us peace now and forever. And may the people of God who will humbly go out to do God's work say, Amen! Amen.